promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once, He goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Let me ask you this morning, what would your superpower be if it could be anything? Think about that. What would it be? I personally believe that whatever decision just came into your mind is based around whatever the circumstances of life you have at this moment in time. So it could be almost anything. I think of the amount of traveling I've done lately. Uh, My wife is thankful uh, that the airports have this thing called duty-free alcohol. Uh, For her sake to survive travel with me, so pray for her. Um, But then also I think of the fact that I would love to have that that power from Harry Potter to apparate, you know, where you just go, and you disappear and then suddenly appear somewhere else because I don't like waiting, I don't like lines, I don't like airplanes, I don't like flying. So you just throw all that together, that would be a great superpower. Or a Star Trek transporter, just get in there, and then you're somewhere, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Or uh, I was thinking the other day, you know, we're in the process of packing and getting ready to move and everything. And I said to my my daughter, I wish I were Merlin. I'm not talking about the TV show Merlin. Uh, I'm thinking of the sword in the stone. Anybody could be thinking of the book, T.H. White's book from the 1930s. I'm thinking of the Disney movie, 1963. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, Disney Plus, check it out. Very good movie. But it, it deals with young King Arthur before he's king. He's a squire to, trying to be a squire to, to a knight. And Merlin comes along as his mentor. Well, actually, Arthur comes along and stumbles upon Merlin, who was waiting for him. It's all this weird, weird thing. But, but Arthur ends up at, at Merlin's house. And if any of you remember, Merlin ends up standing on a stool, right? 
Because he decides he's going to go back with Arthur to the castle. And he starts to sing Hicketus, Ficketus, Migetus, Moom, Prestidigitonium. I feel really sorry for myself because I remember that. Um, but he starts waving his magic wand and all of his possessions start dancing through the air and they start shrieking and they get down into his tiny little bag. And he's able to just pick up his bag and leave and the house is empty. And I sit here and go, I wish I had that power. Right? How many of us have wished we've had that power? To be able to just pick up that one little bag and walk and walk off. To be able to do that, that would be a fantastic superpower. Where I think of yesterday, uh, most of you know I'm a huge soccer fan and I was watching soccer most of yesterday. And I don't know how many of you saw it, but Denmark was playing Finland yesterday. And Christian Eriksen, who is one of the best players in the world, I've watched him play for probably the last 10 years, collapsed on the field. And as far as we know, he had a heart attack. And for 10 minutes, they were doing CPR. And all I know is that I was watching the TV praying, wishing that I had the power to heal him. And luckily, he's stable now at the hospital, but he's 29 years old and collapsed on the field. I'm sure many of you in life have wanted that superpower, right? Because you got that phone call from the doctor or someone else in your family has, or you've sat in the hospital room. Or I think of super strength, and I'm not talking about picking things up and putting them down. I'm talking about the burdens of life that all of us carry, that we wish we had the strength to do on our own. Or invisibility. I've been there. How many of you wish you had the power of invisibility when you've been embarrassed or shamed, wanting to hide? We dream of these superpowers because we want the power. We we, we want the power to change our circumstances. We want power over things around us so that we can influence outcomes, uh, influence our own life, often for selfish reasons, sometimes not, Uh, We want the power to get out of despair. Or we just want the power to have the power. That that could be too. But the fact, the mere fact that any of us in this room, which I know it's all of you, have thought about that at one point in time, it's a humbling act to do that. Because by having that dream, you're reminding yourself you don't have the power. You are not in control and that's why Christ's question this morning is actually so important. We kind of look over it, but, but with, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? And we see that word kingdom, and the first thing that should jump to your mind is power. A kingdom has a king, and that king rules over that kingdom. That, that, that king has this power to make decisions, to, to do things. And that's where we have to begin and end, because life in God is all about this question of power. For instance, God's power over creation. He is the creator. He's the maker. We confess that almost every Sunday. And that makes us the creation, right? We're the created things. Or we think of sin and death, their power over our own will. Christian Erickson is 29, one of the best athletes in the world, and he probably had a heart attack. Death has power over us, and so does sin. But then we also remember, and this is what we give thanks to God for, right? Our Savior's power over sin and over death. That is what we give thanks for, and that is what we're here to remember this morning. 
But if you notice where you are in this understanding of power in the life of God, you are not the one with the power. You are not the one in control. But the problem is, is that we usually wish to be. We've talked about this a billion times. That's where sin comes into play, because we have two sinners at war with one another, because we want power, we want dominance. Otherwise, if we want to talk about the kingdom of God and the way the church has normally wielded, it, we, we, we see the kingdom of God as the big fix. If we could just get the kingdom of God right here on earth, things would be perfect. But has it ever gone well for us? No. I could think all the way back, oh, just about 20, 30 years ago, uh, the moral majority, religious right, whatever term you want to use, they had a particular vision of what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. Correct? Particular behavior, particular moral choices. Or we think of now the, the, the move that we have in the church to, to have a more just society, things that, that we should be looking for, that we should des- desire to, to, to see take place. But if we understand sin, we know that sin is going to be with us. But quite often our, our fail-safe is that we usually just want Jesus with jazz hands. That's how I talk about him. Want Jesus to show up and do these amazing things, the kingdom of God to be there so that just everything just works out perfectly. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen. So we think that we can wield it ourselves, uh, usually through the ballot box or through just yelling at people on Twitter. We expect the power to, to come in which we can bring God's kingdom down to earth. But the problem is, is that when we do that, usually God's kingdom ends up looking like one of our kingdoms and it doesn't go that well. And so we come back to our text this morning, and what does Jesus equate the kingdom of God to? Well, first he says it's like seed sown in a field, and it grows on its own. Farmer goes to sleep and has no clue what's going on. He doesn't know how it just happens. The kingdom of God comes, and it happens in the world. The the earth produces of itself And we can sit here and try and do whatever we want to, but we just think, I think I've prayed now probably three or four Sundays in a row for rain because we're in a drought. And if you're a real farmer, you understand you are at the mercies of things you do not control. Or I think of this congregation. Fifteen years ago, this building was built because the other building was getting too small. Am I right? We needed more room for people in the sanctuary. We needed more space for Sunday school, for youth group, for all those things. That was 15 years ago, and now, coming out of COVID, many of you, because I've heard it, have wondered, well, where is God at? You know, 15 years ago, it was flourishing. Things were blossoming. God was working, and now, I don't know. Yet, does that mean that God only works in a church that's growing, or does God work however God works, the way that God wants to work, even in small ways. Because then Jesus talks about the kingdom of God as a mustard seed, right? Most of us know this this understanding, this this small seed that gets planted, that, that, that if you saw it, you would almost mistake it for dirt. And yet it gets planted in the soil and it grows and it becomes something great, shelter, shade, life, Refuge, life itself being found in that little tiny thing that seems insignificant. And it bears fruit. It cares for things around it. And it's not something that can be manipulated. It's something that just does its thing. 
Going back to the sword and the stone, I didn't think I would be exegeting a Disney movie. I'm sorry. Um, But at a certain point in the movie, uh, a wizard's duel takes place. Arthur, uh, they, they turn into birds and they're, they're learning about the world and they're learning about wisdom and, and, and knowledge and things more than just wielding swords and stuff. And he ends up finding himself in the house of Mad Madam Mim, who is an evil sorceress, Merlin's arch nemesis. And Merlin shows up and saves Arthur, who is about to be eaten by, by Mim. It's rather horrifying. And they end up having a wizard's duel. And so in this wizard's duel, they turn into all these different creatures to try and fight one another. She turns into a crocodile. He turns into a turtle to get away. She, she turns into a fox and him a, a bunny. He turns into a worm, her a chicken, so on and so forth. A walrus, elephant, mouse, tiger, crab, snake. She turns into a rhino. He turns into a goat and knocks her off a cliff. And then she becomes a big purple dragon. And she thinks she's won. She captures him, holds him in her hands, her claws. She opens up her hands and he's gone. And they say, he's gone. And then you hear Merlin's voice, gone? I'm not gone. I've become a germ. And you've caught me, Mim. He became this little tiny thing, a microscopic thing. Sort of like what we've been going through the last year and a half. And he wins. He wins the battle because he becomes this little tiny thing that no one would ever think of. She's becoming all these powerful things, all these predators, and he becomes this small little thing that no one in medieval Europe would have thought of. And he wins. Eventually the lesson is taught that the real power is knowledge and wisdom, and I can't help but thinking what the scriptures tell us of that. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, fear, reverence, awe, humility, being broken by the fact that God is bigger than we are. Well, that's how God's kingdom works in its true power. God's work beginning not in the strength of what we consider to be power, but, it, but his kingdom comes on its own. His kingdom comes in ways that we are not even prepared to see. His kingdom comes in ways that we can't wield, we can't hold as a weapon. It is often seen as small, seen as insignificant, seen as as meaningless. And I often think, I wonder if that's why we often avoid church sometimes, because God's kingdom actually comes through weird things like a preacher, through his word, through sacraments, through singing, through fellowship, through prayer, things that we often think so insignificant, so small, and yet that's God's work in and among us. That's actually kind of part of what happens in the Sword of the Stone. At the end, Arthur pulls the sword out of the stone. He's the only one able to do it. The sword and the stone were sent down from the heavens, and it was said that the person who pulls it out gets to be king, and no one could do it, not the greatest of knights in the kingdom could pull the stone, but this little boy is able to pull it out, telling us, number one, that we don't judge a book by its cover, but number two, often God, what God ordains seems foolish to us, and yet God does it. So today, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat, and I, I've talked about it a few times, but in just a little bit, bit Jackson's going to come forward. He's going to bring his parents and his sponsors with him. And you're going to see the kingdom of God at work. 
as he gets baptized. Because that is God's kingdom working right there. The application of Christ upon another child that becomes a child of God. That, that his sins are washed away and forgiven. That he is buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life. That he has the life and power of God applied to him now so that sin and death cannot prevail against him. And that's God's kingdom. We always want it to look like something else, but it comes with something as simple as something as ridiculous as a word and a little bit of water. I love the fact that we're Lutheran. And the majority of our understanding of baptism deals with babies. Because there's nothing more helpless and nothing more often seen as insignificant than a baby. And yet God tells us, of such is the kingdom. That God gives his kingdom to such as these because he wants to say, it's about me, my promise, and what I dole out. It's not about what you think is power. It's not about what you think you can wield. And God is able to do it however he wants to because it is his kingdom after all. It's not ours, right? It's called the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Carlton, not the kingdom of whoever. It's God's kingdom. He gives it to us the way he will. And he does it through Christ, through his blood shed for you, through a little water and a little word and promise that he will not let you go. Because that is what he wills to do in your life. And he will continue to do it. Thanks be to God. Amen.